Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And as we approach October, we sometimes start looking for places to give us a good scare. My guest today is the author of several books on haunted places in Michigan, and most recently has released a new book called Haunted Bars and Pubs of Michigan. And some of these spooky places are right here in southwest Michigan. Nicole Beauchamp joins me to talk about some of these haunted places and a few scary stories to give you some chills. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you for joining me today. This is going to be fun. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, Nicole, could we start by having you introduce yourself to the audience? How did you become interested in writing about haunted places in Michigan? Yeah, so um, I've honestly been into the paranormal my entire life. Um, I started investigating when I was in high school. I have gone all over the world to investigate. Um, and in addition to that, I also loved writing. So as a child, I would write uh, my, well, I they're not true crime stories, but mm-hmm. they were created crime stories um, that my brain would fabricate. And um, so I would write stories about insidious acts and um, ghost stories. And I don't know why my mom thought it was uh, not a good idea to take me to a counselor at that time. But, (laughs) you know, I mean, it worked out for me in the end, I guess. Right. So... I think growing Basically, up, I, I devoured Stephen King books right and left. Yeah. I think he's probably the mm-hmm. the whole reason for our whole generations that followed <laughs> this true crime. Yeah, you know? I was yeah, I was always into anything spooky, scary. Loved mm-hmm. horror movies. Um, so that's just pretty much been my my lifelong uh, two lifelong interests. Uh, was always, I guess, you know. Um, true crime or or crime and um paranormal wow so you've been you've gone outside of michigan then so you said you went uh what Mm -hmm. over europe or other places or where where did you venture off to when you were um i've been to windsor castle the tower of london paris catacombs um i went to belfast uh northern ireland and got to kind of check out the titanic quarter which is supposed to be super haunted um i got to go on the ss nomadic which is the last remaining starline ship in the world wow. and um it was incredible all of it was incredible wow well that's probably a whole book in itself so your new book <laughs> haunted bars and pubs of michigan is sort of an uh-huh. eerie road trip across the mitten state you've got stories mm-hmm. from all over the place on there and did you visit a lot of these places Yes, um, I did. I would say I had have visited or been to most of them. Um, the ones that I did not get to yet, um, I did Zoom and phone interviews with the owners, staff, and volunteers of the locations, wow. um, and just worked with the historical societies in those areas and librarians, and it basically just... Um, try to immerse myself in uh in the history as much as i could well so you kind of interweave the history with also firsthand accounts from people you've Mm -hmm. talked to that's that's always a good read you guys gonna uh, have to get a copy of that book 
So some of the stories in this new book talk about a few locations in southwest Michigan. Can you share some details about one or two of the stories? Sure. So um, Cassopolis, I guess, would be, I guess, maybe the most southwestern part of the state Uh um, in the book, uh, as far as the city goes. But um, basically... Cassopolis was named after Lewis Cass. He was a really um, horrible person in history, Uh very, very awful to the Native Americans. And there's this whole idea, basically, that the way he treated them left a negative impact on that region of the state. Uh And there is a tavern there called the Holden Green Tavern. And, well, I should back up a minute. I'm so sorry. I should probably mention that due to this negative energy, I apologize. (laughs) My brain doesn't fully wake up to like 1 p.m., so my apologies here. Oh, no problem. Um, But um, basically, because of this negative energy, there's been a lot of misfortune that has plagued the area. Mm Mm-hmm. So there has been a series of um, strange plane crashes. There have been um, just a lot of mistreatment of of people in history and, and just all sorts of horrific things that have happened. Um, so the Holden Green Tavern actually has this antique clock that they believe is from the Revolutionary War. And there is a spirit that's attached to it that has like a very kind of sad, morose energy. They don't know if that spirit, they don't know necessarily who that spirit is. Um, Is it someone that um, suffered in some way? I mean, were they uh, a slave in somebody's house? Like they don't, they don't know really like, I guess, um, what the attachment, who the attachment is to this clock, Uh but it creates all kinds of activity within the tavern, um, where the owner will be walking around when he's in the building by himself and he'll, um, he'll see stuff on the security camera. Um, if he's downstairs, he'll hear people walking above him. Um, there's all, there's just all sorts of stories and of weird things that have happened there. And people just tend to get kind of like a, almost a foreboding, sad feeling when they walk into this establishment. Now I have gone to the establishment. It's a great place. They have great food there, great drinks. Um, you know, if you're going out on a, I guess, a Friday, Saturday night, and you go there and it's packed, probably not going to get the same effect as if you were to go maybe on a, on a weekday when it's a little slower and you can really kind of feel that vibe. Right. A little off hours. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of those stories that you hear about, um, these haunted hotels or restaurants or whatever that, uh, it usually comes from the staff who are there a lot in the off hours, you know, the, the tales I've heard about some of the hotels up in the Upper Peninsula that are, uh, or Traverse City area. There's a, a guest mm-hmm. that I had on talking about one of the stories up there, and they all tend to be from people that work there long hours, you know. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's interesting. So they know it's somehow attached 
or connected with the history of that clock huh? from the Revolutionary well, War? The, the weird thing about it is they... I mean, the clock is so old, so it's been through so many time periods. So Mm -hmm. it could be an attachment in that way, or it could just be a result of all of the negative energy in the area. Um, Because there has been so much tragedy. Like I said, there was a series of plane crashes. There's been um, many, many suicide and deaths in the lakes that are in Cassopolis. Um, so there's just, uh, it's just a really a big mystery about who it is, but there's for sure something there. Mm -hmm. Um, the owner can attest to that and so can a lot of the employees. And so with that being said, um, it's a great place to check out and try to have your own experience. Um, you know, but at the same time, I guess, always be cautious because you just we don't know who it is and and you don't know what you're dealing with right you might have a spooky ghost follow you home after the pub that would be (laughs) something that would bother you too i would imagine (laughs) so uh, there was also another story i was looking at the table of contents in the book about uh, a mexican Mm -hmm. restaurant over in charlotte oh yeah yeah, I so I investigated that firsthand. Um, so the publisher doesn't really like us to um, talk about our ourselves in the book unless it's like the professor conclusion. So mm-hmm. I really can't include myself in the telling of the story. Um, but Ellen and Harold are my parents, and we were all part of a paranormal team together. And so it was three of us that were locked in uh, the building overnight. And when we investigated this Fiesta Mexicana restaurant and cantina, um, back then it was known as a stockyard barbecue and brew. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were locked into the building. It's not in a super populated area. And we had just all kinds of crazy things happen. I mean, it sounded like when we were in one of the back offices, it sounded like there was a full blown dinner party happening in the dining room. Uh, we saw a, on well, actually on our camera, saw a black shadow figure kind of pass from the dining room to the back kitchen. Um, we witnessed a bar stool literally lift up and get slammed to the ground. Wow. Um, and this was all after yeah. hours when you're locked in the, wow. Yes. And it was just, it was only three of us. And this place is, um, I mean, it's not like horrifically small or anything, but mm-hmm. it, it was, um, it was small enough that we knew that we were the only ones in there for sure. I mean, there was no denying that. I mean, we had all kinds of crazy experiences, which I, I detail in the book, and um, I've I've talked about it in the past with, I guess, producers from TV shows and whatnot um, about you know being featured on their shows, but it it never came to be. Uh, one of those reasons why was COVID. Um, I was going to be on Dead Files, and COVID kind of killed that for me, but. Um, this really gave me an opportunity with writing this book to try to uncover the truth about who this spirit may be. And so I did so much research. I talked to so many people. Uh, the owner of the building has recently passed away, but I was able to interview him extensively and got his story and, you know, his, his son's story. So I, I, 
came up with who the ghost actually is, and it, it was the original owner of, of the location when it was called the Alpine Bar. Oh, okay. Um, and her name was Nora Rashid, and she was the owner, and that is that is one of the um, figures that they see there, but also there was an alcoholic, a very violent alcoholic, um, that would frequent the bar, and his presence is still there, too, so he's kind of, I guess... Um, the unfavorable entity, so to speak, that resides in that establishment. Very interesting. I was thinking when you were telling the story, I wonder how many of these places have something that carries forward from what it was before, you know, like the restaurant, mm -hmm. or if this had been a restaurant that had been a restaurant way back when Charlotte was founded and that sort of thing. You, you know, you see old buildings that they tend to be these hundred-year-old buildings that will have a ghost hanging around, you know, from the many transformations yeah. that went through, you know. <laughs> so that's funny. So there's um, there's some restaurants that I noticed in your book that uh, kind of embrace the haunted nature of it. There's one that they named mm -hmm. the place the Agitated Grape. I don't know if it was named after that. <laughs> but there's a story that you have about the agitated grape. It's over in another part of Michigan. But uh, you want to talk about that story a little bit? That's the one that has some sort of a doll yeah. involved. So I'm going to be honest with you. Like when I first started doing the research for this book, I was starting to feel extremely overwhelmed because so many of these bars are not documented in history at all hmm. um or if they are documented you have to literally i mean it's sometimes difficult to find like what a place was called before it was called what it is now I see. Yeah. so you have to dig basically to hell and back on like newspapers.com and old archives and talking to people and mm -hmm. it's a uh huge undertaking i mean i know other people have said like you know yeah i've written haunted books or whatever and it's tough but this whole thing about writing about bars i i don't know if i ever want to do that again because that was just overwhelming but um the agitated grape i was having kind of a hard time um, finding historical information about it. And all I knew about it at the time that I spoke with the current owner is that um, they had been told that it was one of, one of the oldest buildings or the oldest building in Davison. And that when they had went into, you know, when they had acquired the building, they had discovered a little doll that had been left by the dumpster huh. out back. So the owner's husband brought it in and was like, we're going to put this up on the bar. And she had a bad feeling about it. And she's like, I don't know. But anyway, he, he kind of essentially won and they put up the doll um, and the, it kind of watches over the bar. Uh -huh. um, well, the thing is about the agitated grape is that when I really started digging into the history, um, it was it was wild because I I learned that the original owners um, of the building before it was the Agitated Grape actually ran a funeral home, and 
and so i mean this obviously was not ran at the edge where the agitated grape is today but the wife uh marion i believe her name was she had a uh, doll collection and that's how she kind of coped with the grief of of running the funeral home hmm. so she would obviously tend to her funeral home duties during the day and help out and then later in the evenings she would get together at this uh where the agitated grape is and and get together with her doll collecting friends and have little gatherings well mm. there is a belief um that some of those spirits from the old raisin funeral home that she helped manage um are now in the agitated grape building because when she would when she would be in the building alone or i'm i'm sorry when she would leave the building and nobody had been in the building and then she would come back in the next day she would sometimes see you know the dolls in different positions and whatnot Hmm. and some of those dolls you know she had acquired from people from the funeral home and in just from everywhere i mean she acquired them from everywhere wow so they all have i guess their own story essentially um but I mean, it, it's just been very interesting um, as far as like the experiences that people have had, the, the staff and, and volunteers and Marion herself um, back when she was still living. Um, but now this, this doll that they found by the dumpster that the owner had such a bad feeling about, like I said, is now perched at the top of the bar and kind of looks over everything. Um, and some people speculate that Marion herself could be in that doll, kind of hmm. making sure that everything's kind of staying in order and the building is staying in order. So they found it when they were remodeling the place? Is that... Yeah, it was just in like a dump of debris uh-huh. um, by the dumpster and they saw a little hand sticking up and pulled it up and it's a little Irish man doll. Hmm. <laughs> So what kind of things have happened uh, with the doll? Is it, uh, mm-hmm. it moved around or jumped up on people or done anything? Um, it, it's not. I, I think the doll may have an attachment. So the doll itself, uh, from my knowledge, hasn't moved too much. But because it's in the building, um, a lot of strange activity occurs. Uh, Cindy Facknitz, she is the sister of the owner. Mm-hmm. And she's been locked in the basement. She's been locked in and out of the basement when she was in the building alone. Um, she has seen like doors move, black shadows passing by um, the little window that's to the kitchen. Um, so all sorts of things have have occurred there. Um, it, and it and she has said that it sounds like there's somebody else in the building. Wow. Um, and there was, I don't know if it's associated with this specific doll, but um, back when I, th- I, I, um, it, the details are a little foggy to me at this point in time, but um, obviously it's all detailed quite heavily in the book, um, the true story okay. with the historical accounts and all that. But um, there was a point, I believe, before the agitated grape was founded 
that there was a piano in the building and there was people that were coming in like assessing damage from a fire and had heard the piano playing. Hmm. So it was playing by itself, essentially. Wow. So when you were writing this book, and it sounds like you worked on it quite a bit over a period of time, which -hmm. which one of the stories would you say most stood out to you as uh, kind of chilling? Hmm. Well, that's a really good question. I mean, obviously the the location in Charlotte um, uh-huh. chills me to the bone only because I was there and experienced it firsthand, and it was uh, just a wild experience. But I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pull up the list here because um, I know there's so many of them. the The low bar in Traverse City is a a really um, has some really cool ghost stories there. Uh, they, it's a, I've been to the low bar, uh-huh. and it's kind of beneath ground, and it's just like a dark, um, dark speakeasy. Uh-huh. And um, so when I went in there, it's it's eerie for sure because it's so it's super super dark in there. Um, but there's been more than one person, including the owners themselves, who've said that they felt uncomfortable, like there's something inhuman in there. Um, and they have antiques all over the walls and kind of set up around the establishment. And they believe that a lot of the, uh, this activity is also coming from the antiques. And we're seeing this a lot with these kind of haunted bars and pubs where, it was uh, a lot of this activity is either related to, you know, bringing in antiques or some sort of antique being in the establishment Uh or there's some kind of tragedy that took place in the area or nearby that's affecting that location. Wow. Yeah. Traverse city. Was that more of a, um, a forestry type community? I don't know a lot of the history of Traverse city. Mm, You know, I, I'm not too sure on that. Oh. I, I know the asylum is up there. Oh, okay. They have the uh, Northern Michigan Asylum, and many, many people say that that place is haunted, and the low bar actually serves alcohol that is made at the asylum. So, I mean, there's some speculation with that, of course, too. Like, could that be, you know, with that being coming in, is that creating our spirits creating spirits you know what i mean like it's it's just fun to think about i mean there's all kinds of theories but that essentially is extremely um the the bar itself is extremely haunted Mm -hmm. um but it's also a, a it's an amazing place to go after you've had like a a long busy day and you don't want to be around like super loud people and you don't want to you know you don't want to be in super bright lights and you can just go there and kind of chill and kind of embrace that, that spooky darkness. Wow. <laughs> so in your book, Haunted Bars and Pubs of Michigan, how many stories are in there? Let me, let me look. Sure. <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot. Um, so I want to say there, so I believe there is a total of 17. Okay. So 17 different bars from across 15 different cities. I do talk very briefly also about 
a bar in England that I went to that they considered the most haunted in the UK. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of inspired this project. Wow. So that's quite a road trip for people to uh, find a little spooky adventure if they want to jump into this in uh, October mm-hmm. here when it's kind of the Halloween month. Um, so how can people get a copy of your new book? I know it just recently came out, what, in September or August this year? Yep, August 14th. Uh, people can buy it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, Do you have a website I mean, for you as an author that they could buy directly from you, or is it mainly through the... Um, I do have a site. Well, it's not really a site, but it's a Facebook mm-hmm. um, page or Instagram. And my handle is author Nicole Beauchamp. So it's N-I-C-O-L-E-B-E-A-U-C-H-A-M-P. If you search that, you can find me. I'm really good about writing people back on messages most of the time. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, I, you know, in, in pretty much from August through November, it's it gets to be a little chaotic mm-hmm. with the schedule, but I try really hard to be respectful of people's time. Um, but I do a ton of events all over the state throughout the year, so it's not... It, I don't really sell the books um, without being at events, but... Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody's interested in, in seeing what I have going on, they can go to my page and pull up the events tab or just see what I'm posting. Cause I'm always, I'm always somewhere and I always have the books with me. So you have a lot of public appearances coming up in the next few months that they can find on your page there on Facebook. Absolutely. So, um, I'm going to be at the, the Bay city Masonic temple from seven to 11 PM. They're doing a goth night with different vendors. Oh, that sounds like fun. So the, it's really cool because the Bay city Masonic temple is actually featured in my first book, haunted Bay city, Michigan. And, mm. and it, that place is riddled with paranormal activity. So you could come to a, a real haunted location, uh, get a copy of, you know, one book or three books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll have them all. Um, and, uh, it's supposed to be a good time, but it's 7 to 11 p.m. right here in Bay City okay. at the Masonic Temple. And you've got two other books on Michigan's uh, stories from Michigan and haunted places around mm-hmm. Michigan. So there's a, a lot to explore uh, for those that are fans of that and that want to go see these interesting and scary little places around town or around the state. Um, mm-hmm. Any other hauntings that you want to share? I should I should say that if you get if you get the book, mm-hmm. a really cool place to check out. Well, and I, I when I'm saying get the book, I mean get the, get the third book, the Haunted Bars and Pubs of Michigan, mm-hmm. which is what we're talking about. Not I mean you can get the first two, but if you're getting the Haunted Bars and Pubs, you have to check out. Canterbury Village in Lake Orion. Okay. It's kind of in the metro, well, metro Detroit region, but they have two bars that are on site that are extremely haunted. There's been so much activity at Canterbury Village that they actually do their own ghost tour. So you can catch that obviously in the fall as well. And they do like a Halloween stroll. So it's, it's like nothing to just go there for the weekend and enjoy all of the Halloween festivities and also take that chance of maybe having your own paranormal experience. Wow. Wow. That should be fun. Well, that's, uh, that's great. So I have been speaking with Nicole Beauchamp and she's the author of 
a new book that just came out, Haunted Bars and Pubs of Michigan. And she's got a couple other books. I will put the link in the show note descriptions where you can get a copy of her new book. And I'll also link in there her Facebook page that she mentioned. Any last-minute things you'd like to say before we go? I really appreciate you coming on today, Nicole. Yeah, so I guess uh, the last thing that I'll say is um, the... The next place I'll be actually speaking about the book and doing a presentation on it will be at the Mid-Michigan Paranormal Convention. It's at the Soaring Eagle Casino, I believe, November 4th and 5th. Wow, okay. Um, So if you just uh, look up, you can do it on Facebook or Google, Mid-Michigan Paranormal Convention. Um, It's a really great two-day event, and I will be providing... Uh, some evidence from some of these bars that I have gone to or heard about. And it's just going to be a really super fun time. So if you are not doing anything on November 4th and 5th, please come out and see me and see what the convention's all about because it's so much fun. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. I've had other people mention that to me before and I've never visited. So I'm going to see what I can do to work that in my calendar and go pay a visit to that convention. That sounds like a... A really it's cool, so worth it. Is it it's, so it's so big. It's got a big uh, event hall and that sort of thing set up with programs and things going on all, all weekend. Or yes, it. I mean, it is massive, and so many people come to it. It is like last year when I went, I was a vendor, and I don't think there was one second where I wasn't talking to somebody or selling somebody a book or a massage. Cause I also do massage therapy. So, wow. I mean, it was very, very good for me as somebody who had a table there, but, um, but yeah, I mean, overall it's just above and above and beyond being able to sell stuff there. It's a great time. Um, lots of people maybe, uh, that, are interested in the paranormal, but not necessarily a part of the community mm-hmm. will come out and check it out and, and kind of delve more into their passions. So I think it's a, a great event. Wow. Well, so everybody should mark that on their calendar and go have a little bit of fun. It uh, sounds like sure. a, a very entertaining <laughs> weekend. Well, thank you very much for coming on today, Nicole. Uh, it's been fascinating and I hope uh, people will reach out and get a copy of your book. And I look forward to talking to you thank again you. in the future. So Thank I, you so much. Yep. So I've been speaking with Nicole Beauchamp. She's the author of Haunted Bars and Pubs of Michigan. It's a new, exciting book about some wonderful, fascinating, spooky places that you can go find around Michigan. And it is a fascinating, eerie road trip. So definitely put that on your list of books to get. And once again, I will put the information to that uh, in the show note descriptions if you want to get a copy and support her work. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past, thank you for joining us.